0: Alright, Shalom. Bringing the end of the block party. Okay, so there's just so much stuff that I just, I'm so sad I don't get to get to. But you need to know the three attempts to curse B'nai Israel that were turned into Brachot um, by Bilam. Uh, well, Hashem caused Bilam to turn his curses into Brachot. And they correspond to the three tests that Mashiach had to undergo in the wilderness by Hasatan. So there's the whole thing, turning these stones into bread, that corresponds with the first time that uh, Bilam tried to curse people. Because, you know, if you look at what's really going on with turning the stones into bread, really Hashem is saying... Yeah, this whole foundation, you know, the stones that have built up the nation, you know, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, the cornerstone, like, take down that whole edifice and just turn it into something for your own nourishment and sustenance, you know, because you're the Mashiach, like, you're it. It's just like, no, because even down to the lowest of lows... Uh, you know, I'm the Mashiach, and I am not here to abolish the Torah. Okay, so real quick, let me pull up my source information, because it's really awesome. Shouts out to the Avenger, Yovel, for pointing this out. Uh, this was a very, very violent um parallel here, so the three tests, uh, I thought they would be, uh, let's go with standby, is here, I know, all right, here we go, so you're looking at the stones, uh, that's in a place called Kiriyat uh bombing bar 2239 this is called a city of markets and this is where the people went to buy all their provisions so really in this place about provisions in this place of a city it's outside the camp uh it's just like wow so you're led outside the city to the wilderness okay so Hebrews 13:13 13, 13, therefore let us go out to him who is outside the camp and share in his disgrace but let's not turn our stones into bread okay so let's stick to it here this corresponds to it says that um god loves and protects the jews and secondly because their own merits outweigh the force of any curse that he could pronounce so Bilam is trying to curse them on that attempt and it's like wow okay so uh, the spirit led Yeshua into the wilderness and it says to be tempted by the adversary so if you're the son of God order these stones to become bread well man does not live on bread alone but off every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Hashem okay so don't need your provisions I got my own Hold on. Moving on. Second one is the field of lookouts. It's called a high spot to look for your enemies. To look out over your enemies. Bami Bar 2314. Literally a field of viewing. Okay? So this is the high place. This is a height. So what was the second temptation? If you're the son of God, jump. And... Uh, jump off this high place and Hasatan adds in if you're the son of God uh, it says well that's one thing he adds in but he's telling them to jump from this place let me go back Okay, the adversary took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple if you're the son of God he said jump he will order his angels to be responsible for you they will support you with their hands So he's like, yeah, it's written, okay, 'cause because I know you live off everywhere, proceeding see down the mouth of your father. So that's cool. But we're up here on this high place. And I want you to go ahead and show you, show me your faith by your works. Go ahead and jump. It's like, well, here's the deal. If I go ahead and jump off this cliff, it really wouldn't be my works. It'd be your works because you're the one who's commanding me right now. And that's not good. So Mashiach says, do not put Adonai your God to the test interestingly enough the second place that Belam tries to curse the children of Israel from the place is called Zepha which means literally to watch like a watchman like on a wall and so if you think about the place where he went the high spot to look out he was supposed to be a watchman and it was just like well ultimately he ended up being a watchman because Hashem said you need to bless the people not curse them so act like a watchman do your watchman thing and Mashiach is going to come back in, and he's also going to say, you know what, I'm not going to put a Hashem to the test, and, uh, so yeah, so I don't need your possessions, and I don't need you ordering me around. Second of all, you know, it's, I just have to say it, for the Austin Powers first movie fan, that says, who does number two work for, or whatever movie that was from, Sleekha, but anyway, uh, number two does not work for this guy who's coming in and saying throw yourself off a cliff by the way if anybody comes to you and tells you to jump off a cliff just so you can like have the potential of dying that's probably not good advice and hashem doesn't have a commandment that says jump off a cliff so who is your boss it's the question you gotta ask and who is feeding you that's the first question you gotta ask So the third time Bilaam attempts to curse the children of Israel, Bami Bar 2328 says that he went to the peak of Petor, which by the way, Petor is a disgusting God. It's all about waste. It's all about human excrement, all the leftovers that your body doesn't process. It's like, this is what you use to worship this God. So yes, it is crappy service, literally. And it says that this uh, place is overlooking the wastelands It's all about waste here and the word is yasham as far as the root goes and it says that this is appalled and to be desolate It's interestingly that it's interesting to note that yasam can actually permute like you can rearrange the letters to Shmi, which would be my name. So ultimately, if you really made Teshuva, you know, you've turned a place of desolation into the name of Hashem. So, you know, that's the, again, the whole actuality of Teshuva, being able to rectify your past deeds. You can take something that was appalling, something that was desolate, and turn it into something that is holy, something that is beautiful, kind of like from going to death to life or getting beauty for the ashes that you were once, you know, sleek out. But, uh, the, the point of this one, because the adversary took Yeshua to the summit of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Mashiach says, away with you, Hasatan. Worship Adonai, your God, and serve only him. Well, there is that. So if you think about this Peor, this place of a wasteland, it's just kind of like, the wasteland is just completely barren. So just as barren as a wasteland is just as full and preoccupied with Hashem. May we all be. Okay, which would be turning Yasham to Shmi, which would be my name, which is Hashem, right? So like Hashem's name. So if you place yourself under Hashem's title, my name, you'll turn a barren wasteland into an oasis, So, the three tests, the three curses, uh, I would really have loved to spend more time on that because there are blessings and things that go with that, but the places correspond to the tests of the Messiah when he was in the wilderness. So, it's all reversed, it's all tikkuned. it's all Baruch Hashem, Amen. Alright, so I was trying to mind my own business I guess not really because since I'm doing this I'm not really minding my own business I was going to go to Bami Bar chapter 24 because that's where the prophecies just go turn up to 11 about Mashiach Yeshua Now, before we do that, let's zoom out real quick in the parasha cycle or the circle of time or the cycle of time we have Parsha Yitro, which by the way means additional, based off the word yeter. So yeter with a ba becomes Yitro, literally means his addition, if you really want to translate that out. That Torah portion is where we receive the Torah. And remember, during this time, as we're heading into the three weeks, we want to receive the Torah. We want to tell Hashem, the golden calf that's not a thing anymore, Hashem, we really do want your sapphire tablets, so can we have another opportunity, please, will you please bring in the redemption, speedily and soon in our days, will you please rebuild the temple, will you please gather in the exiles, okay, so that's the giving of the Torah, and now it's Parsha Balak that literally is the Torah portion that is chalked full of messianic references, basically messianic references the messiah so how do we know about messiah who he is what the mission is all that kind of stuff it's in balak and it's like so balak really didn't like the jewish people but the messiah descended from him Be was just like on a whole nother level of just like no i don't like these people but it's like yep this is the place i want to reveal my son So if you really fast forward to the Basora account and Yeshua is in the midst of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes and the teachers of his day and the bought out positions that have been uh, going on at the temple during his time. He's in the midst of people who are just actively despising him. And it's just like, yeah, that's where Mashiach is revealed in the place where there's a lot of grief and uh, dissension and destruction going on so what i'm basically saying is there's nothing new all right so i went to the or hachaim for doing all my source verses and i'm pretty much in verse 17 and um it just it hurts okay so let's see let's try to do this here okay i see it now the phrase i see it now this verse consists of three pairs of clauses each pair has the same difficulty first pair bilam says i see it but not now okay so i see it but not now sleek on it says i view it but not near He thus repeats the same concepts in different words. In the next pair, he too repeats himself by saying, A star has issued from Yaakov, and a scepter-bearer has arisen from Yisrael. And in the third, as well, he repeats himself by saying, He shall crush the edges of Moab and undermine all the children of Seth. Okay, so all that's going on, he says so by way of introduction note the entire prophecy is said about the king mashiach okay he just completely just puts it out there that's what it is bilam's words reflected which the chazal of blessed memory had said in devarim rabba to eleven: if the jews would repent as needed they would be redeemed immediately if they make teshuva now there would be geula now even if they had experienced only one day in exile as it is written to 20 verse 2 hashem will answer you on the day of distress that is what bilan meant with the first part of his statement okay so there's that that's ridiculous then it says now we've already pointed out that in this pair of clauses bilam repeats the idea and changes the terminology this is because here too he refers to two possible times of redemption that he mentioned in the first part of the verse as for different terminology this is explained in the light of the words of the chazal sanhedrin 98a get you some Everybody commit Sanhedrin 98a to memory. If you want to talk about the redemption, the coming of Mashiach, it's Sanhedrin 98a. All right, it's out there. There we go. It says, if the redemption will come about through the merits of the Jewish people, it will be amazing and dramatic. And the Redeemer of the Yehudim will be revealed from Hashemayim with a miraculous sign and proof that he is indeed Mashiach. I stated in the Zohar get you some volume 1 119a volume 3 212b this is not the case of if the redemption will take place due to the end of its time having arrived okay so it won't be this beautiful miraculous redemption second coming of Mashiach if it comes at the time that is set which no man knows the time of the hour. So the thing is, if we want the redemption to be beautiful, amazing, we need to merit it. We need to be walking into shuva. If we want the redemption to be horrible, graphic, terrible, not cool, we need to just be like, okay, well, let's just survive. Let's just live our lives and kind of serve Hashem, kind of not, you know, mediocre. So that's, again... Let's let's do this, y'all. Let's bring Mashiach. Come on. Okay. Says that the Jews will be unworthy of it if it comes in its time. Because it's set. Hashem says, you know, the redemption happens here, and it's just like, okay, there it is. But it says, in the case that the redemption will happen in a different way. As which is stated, Zechariah nine nine. Commit Zechariah nine nine to memory. Why? Because it says that the Redeemer will come as a humble man riding on a donkey. Uh, Rabbi Yehonatan Ebskutz makes a similar distinction in his discussion of the subject at the end. Okay, of his work here okay Zohar describes a star that Hashem will show in the middle of the heavens, sparkling with 70 pathways of light with 70 streaks of light shining from it as this star moves from place to place it will bring the downfall of various nations cause wars to break out between them okay that was a violent footnote okay this then is the explanation of what bilam said here referring to i will hasten it the redemption will come about by the way of the jews merit which is the redemption to which bilam had alluded in the statement i see it but not now he said or he now said a star has issued meaning that the Jew. That if the Jews merit early redemption, then the Redeemer will shine forth from Hashemaim as a star. With this statement, Bilam also alluded to the star that will come out of the middle of the heavens for an amazing miracle. As stated in the book of Zohar, in the same place, this is the meaning of Bilam's first clause here a star has issued. From Yaakov. So you you know that that star that was at the birth of Mashiach? The oil oh, oh, it's right here. Bar twenty four seventeen. We're gonna read that in just a second with the help of Hashem. It says So came out amazing miracle. It says this is the meaning of Bilam's first clause, a star has issued from Yaakov. and then referring to in its time redemption to which Belam had alluded to in the statement, I view it, but not near. He said, and the scepter has arisen from Israel. This means that if the redemption comes only in its time, then a certain scepter bearer, i.e. a king, will arise from the Jewish people in the, mar- in the manor. Sleka. Okay. It says that, uh, boom 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 a king will arise from the jewish people in the manner that kings arise in the rest of the world in the natural course of events Mm. okay you can have a natural redemption or a supernatural redemption okay that's all going on and then it says let us now explain the reason Balaam attributes the I will hasten it redemption which is where mashiach shines forth like a star to yaakov which represents the average jews so if you're b'nei israel if you're children of abraham yitzhak and yaakov you're called jews okay but then there's mashiach who is the star then it says um so you got mashiach and the Yehudim. all right uh, Let's see. Attributes in its time redemption. Where Mashiach comes. Like a humble man to Yisrael. Its time redemption. Is where Mashiach comes on the donkey. Basically. Which represents the groups of righteous ones. Among the Jews. Or Yisrael. Represents. The groups of righteous ones. So Yaakov is the poor, humble, riding on the donkey. And then Yisrael, the groups of righteous among the Jews. And it says, seemingly, it should have been the opposite. The hastened redemption will come only if the Jews are righteous, and the ordinary redemption will come if the Jews were merely average. What Bila meant to say, though... Was that this type of redemption where the redeemer arrives like a star will be achieved if the redemption comes about by the virtue of the category of average Jews. Okay, so you ain't got to be all high, mighty, crazy, legit, you know, like top notch turned turnt-up, get-you-some type person. It's just like, no, you can be an average Jew. And it says where they improve their deeds to become righteous and mashiach will thus come in their merit this is what bilam said when he said a star has issued from yaakov on the other hand the coming of mashiach by way of a scepter and a scepter bearer meaning that the redemption will come in its time will happen if the group of average jews will not approve their deeds not improve their deeds. Mashiach will come only on the account of the group of righteous Jews. If that's the case, then it says this is what Belam meant when he said and a scepter bearer has arisen from Israel. Um, I saw something about two mashiachs. I Wanted to make sure I dropped that. Okay, here we go. So, moving on to verse 19, moving like a slug over here. Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra. Okay. Said that Bilam was saying this about Joab, the head of the king of David's army. And would be and would dominate Edom. But Rashi of Blessed Memory explains Balaam was talking about King Mashiach, the one who's going to rule over the Israel, the one who's going to rule over Jacob. King Mashiach says, Who will rule over the entire world. Yep, entire world. Rashi's words are the preliminary explanation of the phrases one from Yaakov will rule for according to the words of Rabbi Abraham Ibn Ezra the Torah would have put these prophecies in chronological order with this statement about Yoav coming before or yeah coming before the statement Edom will be vanquished which is a matter that will be accomplished only by Mashiach making sure I don't miss anything with the footnote alright uh, what in the world ok now according to the words of Rashi same verse commentary or Hakim, we must explain why Bilam had to expressly say that Mashiach will rule over the entire world Even though he has already said in verse 17, Mashiach will undermine all the children of Seth, which includes all those who came from Seth, son of Adam, the first man. Since the verse teaches that Mashiach will undermine the resources of all mankind, it seems obvious that he will rule over them. The answer is, is that Belam was coming to say that even some people will remain from the nations of the world after Mashiach will undermine all the children of Seth. Then it says, as it is understood as well from the meaning of the term and undermine that not all of them will be annihilated As stated by the Chazal, a blessed memory, Pesachim 68a. right, so there's that. Mashiach going to be king over all the world. Okay, here we go. Or HaKaim 2417, so back it up. Sukkah 52a through B, that there will be actually two Mashiachs. The first will be a descendant of Yosef, specifically from Ephraim. The other will be a descendant from David. And saying a star is issued forth from Yaakov, Bilam further alluded to the Mashiach descendant from David, who is hinted to in order or who is hinted to in the term star. Okay, mentioned above, as stated, or as his statement, and a scepter bearer has arisen from Yisrael, loose to Mashiach, descendant from Ephraim. The intent in this is that if the Jews will be characterized as average, such that they are to be called Yaakov, then only the Messiah descended from David will shine for them, but the Mashiach descended from Ephraim will die, and the die in the first war of Gog and Magog. In the end of days, for an enemy king called Romulus will kill him, like. Oh, realm basically. Then it says, as it is stated by the sage's of blessed memory, Sukkah 52a, if however the Jews will all be righteous, such that they go by the name of Yisrael, then even that scepter bearer who is the Mashiach that comes from Ephraim has. Risen, meaning that he will have the ability to rise and remain standing before his enemies. And Romulus will not kill him. So we know which redemption that Mashiach came forth is the more normal, average, riding on a donkey, humble. That's because Mashiach says the greatest among you is a servant. So what we're trying to do now is merit David because he went forth. To prepare a place for us and so we want the the star we want the shining we want the glory he's fought the wars given us the victory we just need to walk in that victory and look forward to the day that death is ultimately swallowed up and broke Shem. so now with the stars going on there's this whole thing about all the births of the leaders of Israel. So let's start with Matthew 2. So check this out. So Matthew 2 says, After Yeshua was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, by the way, and the land of Yehuda during the time when Herod was king, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. By the way, you should know that these magi studied in the academy of Daniel, okay, in Babel, okay? So they came to Yerushalayim and they asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. Verse 9 And after they had listened to the king, they went away, and the star which they had seen in the east went in front of them until it came and stopped over the place that the child was when they saw the star they were overjoyed upon entering the house they saw the child with his mother miriam and they prostrated themselves and worshipped him uh benny b posted this get you some about the miraculous nature of the star Looking for sources here. Alright. Where are we at? There's way too much stuff on this table. Okay, Brugesham. I was like, it was just here. Okay. Let's go to Benny B. Talking about the star. Uh, boom, boom, boom. So, Benny B here is talking about the um, the length of time that the star stayed in a uh, place, which is connected to Matthew two nine and ten about how the Magi were overjoyed that the star was still in the heavenlies. You know even after all their time, so it says in the uh, boom, boom, boom. that's Harrod standby Yemenite midrash here we go uh gonna pick up bombmy bar twenty four seventeen the star shall arise from Yaakov. It says, And also at the end of days, a star shall arise in the east. And it is the star of the Messiah. As it says, And there shall be a ruler amidst Yaakov. Rabbi Yosi said, In the language of the Arameans, the east is called Yerd. And it spends 15 days in the east. If it tarries even longer, It is only for the good of Yisrael. And then you may expect the footsteps of Mashiach. So, if it lasts, if it spends 15 days and goes even longer, it's the footsteps of Mashiach. And it's just like, yeah, because Yeshua is literally walking around at this point. How do we know that? Well, let's go ahead and start with Moshe because when Moshe was born he walked around so Moshe's father is Amram and he's from the tribe of Levi says he was a perfect Zodic Amram was one of four people who never sinned at all and died only because Hashem decreed death upon humanity that's pretty legit so Moshe's father was sinless and the only reason he died was because he had to because Hashem said it's appointed once for a man to die. So check this out. So there's this whole backstory. Amram heard about the decree. Pharaoh said we need to throw the Israelite babies into the Nile because we've seen the star by the astrologers that uh let me just go ahead and read that part. Okay. mm mm-mm. let's see all of Pharaoh's this is the Midrash get you some for Shemot. it's set on page 12 all of Pharaoh's astrologers agreed to Bilam's words oh here's Bilam again Bilam, over here advising Pharaoh about stuff that's going on in the heavenlies the stars they're looking at the Mosul and the horoscopes, and all this kind of stuff. Patterns of stars in the sky, good omens, all this kind of stuff. This says, Pharaoh's astrologers agreed to Balaam's words that they thought that Hashem would be unable to punish them for drowning the Jewish children because they knew the principle that Hashem deals with man. Sleka. Mita, measure for measure. For casting the children into the water, they reasoned, they would incur punishment of death by drowning however they assume that since hashem had bound himself by an oath to noak which is the rainbow by the way never to bring another flood upon the world which is mabul in hebrew so they're like yeah so if we drown these children there's no way hashem could drown us because hashem said he won't bring a flood but they forgot about the red sea though the Yam suf sea of reeds So, that was the decree. So, Amram was like, they're throwing our babies in the water, and that's not nice. We're not going to deal with that. Just like King Herod, when Mashiach was born, he wanted to kill all the children that were two years and younger. Irony is, is that Hashem tells Yosef, Yeshua's father, because, you know, Yeshua is Yeshua being Yosef, just like we learned, the Messiah is being Yosef, that... Yosef needs to take his family and they need to go to Egypt, because it's safer in Egypt than it is in Bethlehem, because Herod is going crazy right now. He's seeing stars and he's trying to kill people. So take your child and go. So, with all that being said, Amram's like, We're not having children. Da 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 da. But his little daughter Miriam, I'm on page fourteen now, argued with him. Your decision is harsher than that of the king, she said. While Pharaoh's laws affects only male children, you are preventing the birth of boys and girls. She probably wasn't that young, but, you know, sounded probably something like that. It says Pharaoh may deprive them of their bodies, but their souls will live on in the Alam Habah. Get you some. She kind of knew something about resurrection says you however prevent their souls from entering the world at all moreover i am sure that pharaoh's edict will soon be withdrawn while your decree will endure that's heavy amram acknowledged the force of her arguments he decided that yakaved which is moshe's mother and amram's wife should be united with him in a conspicuous way so that all b'nai israel should see a hoopah was erected that's the whole talit with the four posts that covers okay that's the marriage ceremony which hashem used the mountain of sinai to be a hoopah. so what looked like something I was going to destroy is actually something that was beautiful, you know, and some people look at marriage like it's going to destroy me, but it's like it's actually something beautiful. It's good for you. So it says a hoopah was erected and Aharon and Miriam danced in front of it. B'nai Yisrael began to follow Amram's example and remarried their wives. So, with this decree about the babies being thrown in the water and stuff, like, a lot of people just abandoned their wives. So, that's kind of, like, intense. But, anyway. uh, So, everybody got back married again. It was great. And it said, her wrinkles and gray hair disappeared. And she was rejuvenated. Because, at that time, Yakovid was 130 years old. So, now, Sarah... Was rejuvenated at 99 or 90, and Yaakov was rejuvenated at 130. So that's crazy, amazing. So during that time, the Egyptian astrologers appeared before Pyro and announced, We foresee that the Redeemer of the Jews is about to be born. We are not sure, however, whether he is Jewish or Egyptian. Oh my goodness, really? They don't know if the Redeemer of the Jews is going to be Jewish or of another nation. Well, how about that? Because Mashiach is Jewish, but because he's so covered in Christianity, it's like, uh, is he really Jewish? Because I don't know. Jews don't celebrate Xmas. Well, some Jews do these days, but not supposed to be. Anyway. Cause you know that's the whole thing about Xmas is saying that that's his birthday, but really though, was Yeshua really born on December the twenty fifth? Because December twenty fifth didn't even exist; it was nowhere in the planet uh, during his birth. You know, December wasn't even a month; the twenty fifth wasn't even a date. So, as Captain Israel likes to say, it was December twenty fifth, and it was. Uh, cold winter night and nothing happened okay need to know that but you know with the whole solstice thing that's around that time and there actually was a deity born somewhere around there because there was this whole evergreen and renewal of the sun and the light and all that kind of stuff in the winter the longest day and trying to bring back the sun's uh power because the the days are darker in the winter time and it's just like yeah we'll make the messiah's birth how do they do with that and it's just like that's all a whole bunch of nonsense why don't you just celebrate hanukkah and be done with it because that's the rededication of the light that's when light really entered into the darkness and lit it up you know like i don't know something about rebuilding a temple like the light of the world or something Okay, but anyway, it says the astrologer's vision was obscured since Moshe, although born from a Jewish mother, would be raised by an Egyptian woman, which her name was Batya. She's the daughter of Pero, And Moshe would be raised in Pharaoh's own palace. So that kind of threw off the whole story a little bit because they're like, uh, we can't really see what's going on. Something about a redeemer, but he's like, Jewish maybe Greek or Roman maybe I don't know I can't really tell is he Hebrew he is Jewish I mean he's the son of Yosef I don't know okay so that's all right here in the Midrash it says if there is a possibility that the Redeemer might be Egyptian declare Pharaoh we must include all the newborn Egyptian boys in the eradication and annihilation for the coming nine months Really? So you just want to wipe out your own people just for the sake of trying to kill the Messiah. So now Pharaoh and Balak are on the same page Are just like trying to wipe out any little nugget of Mashiach says they ridicule the idea. The Egyptians ridicule Pharaoh's idea that a leader of the Jews might emerge from their ranks. (laughs) Mm hmm. Pharaoh, however, did not heed their protests and ordered that his soldiers uh, cast their Egyptian babies into the Nile too. That's a whole just level of depravity. That's terrible. Okay. Pharaoh's astrologers firmly believed that the future redeemer would perish if only he were thrown into the Nile. Their astrological... Astrological visions revealed that he would be punished through water. Oh, like who Kukat, like he struck the rock when she spoke to it. That's how he came to an end. But they're like, ah, uh, no, he's going to be destroyed by water. So, whatever that is, they interpreted this. See, this is the importance of how you interpret the word because the word could be something and you interpret it completely differently. Literally there's a gentleman named Paul and I want to bring him up because uh literally work with a guy named that and uh, it's cool because like he's just one of those people that make you think and it's just like awesome so he said you know with religions and faith it's like you're looking at a wall and one person saying it's blue another person saying it's orange when he's like really it's not even one of those colors it's something else and I was like well you know what Uh, I wish I would have said this first. I said, you know, that's a great illustration. You might want to look into who built the wall and get to know him so that you can understand the wall. Because chances are, if you talk to the architect, you talk to the builder of the wall, you find out what color the wall is. You find out everything you need to know about this wall. And you can get rid of, well, I think it's blue. I think it's yellow. Or any kind of false interpretation. But uh I got to come back and have a second conversation with him. I was like, "You know, that really is such a great incredible example." You know, because and then he said, "You know, I just want to know who's going to admit that they're wrong." And it's just like, "Well, we know that ain't happening." But you know, it's just it's incredible. You think about all the different faiths, well the, all the other faiths would not exist. Had we, as the Yehudim, did what Hashem told us to do, which was be a light to the nations. But we decided to do otherwise. So now we're like struggling and people are like presenting all these false notions and so on and so forth. So we got to rectify that and bring it all back in. So Ruk Hashem. So anyway, the astrologers improperly interpreted the astrological sign that the Redeemer would look probably egyptian and he would be destroyed through water so it says they interpreted this to mean that he would drown (laughs) that's not what happened in reality this prediction referred to moshe's later punishment through the water of meribah where it was decreed upon him he would die in the wilderness and not enter into the land Okay, so on the 7th of Adar, which is another Hebrew month, a son was born to Ed. A child was born <laughs> unto Ed and Amram. So within Ed, you have the word for Evid. And within Amram, you have my great people. So the servant and my people have a child born unto them. Just want to point that out. It says... When he entered the world, the house shone with the light of the Shekinah. The baby was born circumcised, a sign that he would be a Zodic. Amram kissed his daughter Miriam. He said, you were right. He told her, you prophesied that your mother would give birth to the Redeemer of Bnei Israel. Amram and Yaakov Ed renamed their son. Yechusi, El, because he became eternally famous by the name of Moshe or but he was to become eternally famous by the name of Moshe so now when you can go with what was the name that was given to Moshe it is the name Yakutiel see what the source is on that can't read that okay so Yakutiel is Moshe's name Moshe had 10 names break that all down again we're getting to the footsteps okay so by the way Yakutiel literally means he taught the children of Israel to place their hope and trust in Hashem Yakutiel is related to Kavah which means hope so there you go. So it says until Moshe was 3 years old, Yakobid was able to conceal his existence from the Egyptians. And then it says they had begun to observe her only after her husband had taken her back, counting 9 months from then when Moshe was 3 months old, Yakobid was warned the Egyptian soldiers are looking for your infant. I will hide him well so that they do not find him answered Jacobid the neighbors however cautioned her don't you know how cunning the egyptian women are they will bring their little babies to your home and make them cry when your baby hears their cries he will scream too and thus reveal his presence upon hearing the devious tricks of the sly egyptian women Jacobid feared that her feared for her son's life would be lost if he remained in the house she therefore devised a plan she took a little casket like an ark and smeared the inside with lime and the outside with pitch to make it waterproof she constructed a little canopy over it this literally is an ark this is Moshe's ark instead of Noah's ark and because she said sadly who knows if i will witness my son's hoopah wow So like the Hoopah over the Ark is a form of atonement because that's called a Kippurit. So this is where the the rabbis or the interpretation comes in that one who gets married is like going through their own Yom Kippur. And it's like you're going through being atoned and it's like you become a newborn as you get married. So you go underneath the Hoopah, you go underneath atonement. So much so that the night before uh, the wedding for the bride and the groom is considered their own personal Yom Kippur. So, I mean, what a great way to enter into Kedusha, Kedushin, slika. So she put the ark in the river and it floated and Batya found it. Uh, So, yeah... So that's Moshe's birth. Let's go to, well, we know Yeshua's birth, heralded by the star. Let's go to Abraham. Got okay, Abraham, Moshe, and Mashiach. All right, so then we got, uh, okay. One day, this is Midrash, get you some, Parshad Noach, page 116. One day, Nimrod's astrologers humbly approached the throne and prostrated themselves before the king. Your majesty, they announced, we have become aware of grave danger threatening your throne. The stars predict that a boy will be born in your kingdom who will deny your divinity and will overcome you. What's the deal with the Mashiach being born in the midst of a non-Jewish nation? and like rising to power like oh my gosh like this is Esther and Mordecai in Persia this is Moshe and Aharon in Egypt this is Abraham and Sarah in Babylon in Babel the place that wants to take out Torah is the place where Hashem is like let's go there let's start building from there let's go to the place of hatred and turn it into a place of love I.e., we've all been placed in the darkness to light it up. Alright. Anyway, I digress. It says that there is a meeting called Architects ordering them to design special houses in which every woman with child shall be confined. This is awkward. We shall then make sure that only the baby girls will be dismissed alive. Okay, here's the discrimination against the boys and girls. So, kill all the boys, let the girls live. Okay, we've seen that before. Tarak, which is Abraham's father, by the way, one of the most honored noble men at the court. Okay, so the father of the Redeemer is like this noble man. So, Tarak is like a noble man, even though he's not considered noble as Torah standards, but by the nation that he serves but then amram is considered like sinless so how much more so for mashiach yeshua's father which we know that even though yosef is not technically his father if we wanted to go there on the Pashat level but really he is even on the Pashat level even though he's not on the Pashat level that's either neither here or there right now run out of time gotta get this through okay so, yes, Mashiach's father, Yosef, like the husband of or the husband of Miriam, uh, he was considered completely righteous. And that was the whole reason behind him trying to quietly divorce her. OK, but anyway, it says we did not refer to your house, Terok. The king assured him, you are the most trusted of my ministers. <laughs> wow. The cruel edict was issued and therefore all baby boys were murdered. Over 700,000 newborns were killed. One morning, Nimrod's astrologers requested another audience. The danger is still present, O king. We have observed a star above Tarok's house shooting out in all directions of the firmament and devouring four stars in the east, the west, the north, and the south. This clearly points to Tarok's newly born son who will conquer your kingdom order Tarak to hand over his new baby i will compensate his loss with a treasury of gold and silver so yeah the whole thing about the gold and silver brought to mashiach during his birth like wow okay the messengers hurried to terok's house demanding his son deliver your son in the name of nimrod they commanded i will not give you my son he replied the king's officers the king offers you a treasury of gold and silver in exchange tarak laughed scornfully go tell your master that he can don't get him some but it no that's not in here says they said to the horse we will cut off your head and you will receive a wagon load of hay instead fools answered the horse if i am beheaded who will eat the hay if you kill my son who will inherit my gold and silver the messengers left that's an interesting way to illustrate that point uh did not relax hurry he commanded his wife amtali oh now we know abraham's mother name amtali Wrap the baby up and hide him in swallowing clothes and put him in a manger oh i mean it says wrap the baby up and hide him in a cave away from the house i'm sure they will soon return and it was so a short while later the king's delegates knocked the door knocked on the door again but terok was prepared he gave them the son of his faithful maid instead oh so we had a little switcheroo and what was the fate of little abraham he grew up in a cave far from the wicked world around him, grew in wisdom and in stature, obviously, because that's what Mashiach did, that's what Moshe did, so, I mean, so we see all these birds, we see the amazing star, it alludes to Mashiach, comes from the mouth of Balak, Balak, or Sleekah, Bilam, okay, so, in conclusion, this parsha was ridiculous, this was the block party, and I have been your host, Shomer Man. It's been wonderful jamming with y'all. So let's walk into Shuva. Let's look forward to the coming of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. Until then, what do we know? What do we know? Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet Vekayolam Natabetokenu Baruka Haronai No Ten Hatora Amen Blessings over your Shabbat and may you have a Shavotov Shalom.